You've tuned into Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that the messages provide an atmosphere for growth and grace in your relationship with Christ and an opportunity for you to gather together in community, whether online or in person. Now let's go into the message. I pray, pray in tongues. I'll just try to finish with this in 15 minutes. I'm going to try my hardest. Jesus, have mercy. So, Lord, have mercy. This year's focus is built different. That is what our focus is, and that's what we've been, our theme is centered around. And what that means is that uh, it's not normal. It's not trying to be typical. It's not trying to be like everyone else. It's um, a different path. It's charting a different course. And many of you know um, that this year, those of you known for a few years, uh, that I have been working out in a gym on my own. Y'all do know that. I've been working out for many years. Um, but I realized that I had met um, my, um, I guess, my threshold where I couldn't, I was only pushing myself to um, my comfort zone. And I needed a trainer that would push me beyond that. So um, I joined a gym called Synergy here in the city. And um, it's with one of my fraternity brothers, Larry Jackson. And I work there, work out there. And y'all see my videos and all that type of stuff. So I do that because it's to keep me accountable. Well, I went back to the gym that I used to work out at. And I still go there periodically, but not as much. And when I went there, I ran into someone who used to work out with me, or not work out with me, but they would see me all the time. And they saw me and they said, hey, I thought that you had stopped. I thought you fell off because of the pandemic. And I said, oh, no, I didn't fall off. I said, I just have a trainer now, so I just don't come here as often. And um, so without, instead of them responding and saying, good job, you know, you got a trainer, they stopped in mid-conversation and stared me up and down to see if I was really working out with the trainer and to see if there were really any results to what I was doing. It was an awkward silence <laughs> because they didn't say anything after that. It was like, oh, okay, and they went on. I didn't know how to take that. I didn't know if that meant there are no results. I don't know, but that's what the conversation was. And I thought about that as it relates to uh, who I am and what my call is. Uh, many of you all here see um, Pastor Mario, um, but what beyond sermon prep, sermon um, ministry, and jumping around the stage and dancing, all that type of stuff, and responding to emails and sporadic counseling sessions and stuff, what my call often is to be Coach Mario, which is basically to guide and help and to push you beyond what you're comfortable with. What I've learned is that many people don't have a problem with Pastor Mario. A lot of people like Pastor Mario because Pastor Mario encourages you. Pastor Mario has gift and has grace. Pastor Mario has mercy for people and all that type of stuff. And, and, you know, the word and praise for you. And they love that. It's the coach Mario that people have a problem with. Pastor Mario is cool. And a lot of people will come here and say things like the Lord sent me here. And a lot of times that will be through tears. And people will like, the Lord sent me here. And I'm so sweet. Girl, boy, God sent me here. And I'd never question it. I believe that God sent them here. And everyone believes it until they meet Coach Mario. Coach Mario is, you know, I really appreciate what you do. I appreciate your gifting. I appreciate your talent. 
but you're spiritually off. Coach Mario is, hey, I know that you have other endeavors outside of the room. I know you have other endeavors outside of the church, but don't leave your area without leadership. Coach Mario is, you're a great leader, but don't allow, like for instance, like if you decide to move on from that place, make sure you raise up another leader so that your, your area is not vacant. It is the accountability person that people don't like. It's the pastor. Now, when I say don't like, some of you say, I like you. I'm not talking about that. A lot of people don't like to be challenged. A lot of people don't have a problem being pastored and, you know, you pray for me. That's my pastor. But a lot of people, when it comes to being the coach, they're like, he's on something. That's what I say to my trainer. Tomorrow, I'm there tomorrow around 530 in the morning. And when he tells me to do hip thrust, and tells me to start doing some um, um, Turkish get-ups, and um, uh, planks and all that stuff, I'm gonna look at him like you own something. Because no one really likes to be around a coach until you start winning. No one appreciates the challenge of the coach until you look back and see there was a method to the madness. You don't understand it, and I get it. For those of you who are parents, your children many times won't thank you for many years because they don't understand why you said no. They don't understand why you said go to bed. They don't understand why you said read a book and not play a game all day long. They don't get any of that type of stuff until later on. And a lot of times, some of you, like myself, when I went back to the gym a few days ago and they looked me up and down, there are some of you, when you go back to where you were and go back to the streets and stuff and people look at you and they say, hey, I hadn't seen you in a while. I thought you dropped off. And you look and you say, no, I didn't drop off. I just joined Growth Point Gym. I start working on something. I have a coach now, and I'm working on some things in my life. And instead of them responding and saying, good job, a lot of times they stare you up and down. Because anything that you're really working on, eventually you will see results. If you're really working on something like you say you are, you will see results. Someone say, you will see results. And that's what we have as it looks at this particular text, because last week and before I get there and I'm almost finished actually already because I'm trying to go real fast. But as last week after the service last week, a guy, brother of the church, uh, partner of the ministry, uh, met me in the corner, tears in his eyes, hadn't been here a lot of times through a lot of the pandemic, came to me and he said to me, he said, Pastor Mario, he had tears in his eyes. He was crying. He said, Pastor Mario. I know you don't think sometimes we're going to get it. He said, but keep preaching. We're eventually going to get it. And I said, it's all right. Now, he could not get the words out. He said, I want you to know we're going to get it. Keep preaching. And I want to tell you all, as your coach, you're going to get there. Don't stop because it gets hard. Keep growing. I want you to look at someone and say, keep growing, keep growing. And I wouldn't say that, first of all, I thanked him for that because as a coach, oftentimes, the pastoring part is easy. The coaching part is hard. This part is easy. It's anointing, greatness of God. The worship team did all that. It's wonderful. All I got to get up here and say Jesus died and got up on three days later and we shout and go home. It's the coach part that's hard because sometimes you're coaching people who don't want to be coached. And sometimes you're challenging people who would rather just stay on the bench. But when you see their potential, you're like, no, you're better than that. You can do more than that. 
I'm trying to pull you from where you are to where God would have you to be. So when we look at this particular text, this text, look at the story. Uh, we have two different stories, and I was going to choose one or the other, but he wanted to go two different stories. But it was the same question, and it was the same thing that Jesus dealt with. Jesus had one intent, but there were different interpretations. Because a lot of times, I can be ministering a message to you right now, but there's many interpretations of what I'm saying. For those of you who are parents, when your, parent, when your children get older, they will have different versions of who they think you are. For those of you who are married or those of you who have uh, spouses or significant others or you're dating, your spouse, significant other, or who you're dating will speak in a different language than you. For those of you who are in that situation, you know what I'm talking about. Like you say one thing, but they interpret it a completely different way. So you find yourself explaining yourself and you're like, I didn't mean it that way. You took it a different way. And as it is with a message, as it is with parenting, as it is with teaching, the educational system or whatever, you have to be okay with people misinterpreting you sometimes. As it is in this text, these people had been walking with Jesus for a long time, but obviously they had misinterpreted what he meant. These disciples, these were two of the disciples who had been with him for a long time, the sons of Zebedee, James and John. They had been walking with Jesus. Matter of fact, they were two of the original disciples, that not the originals, the first disciples that Jesus recruited. Um, that they were in the beginning, they were the first ones that he walked beside and said, follow me. They had walked with him, but they did not understand completely his mission. Um, it also says that these were not just the first disciples, but they were also brothers. Now, over in the text of Matthew, the 19th chapter, verse 28, Jesus did talk about those who follow me will also sit with me. So Jesus did say that, but they misinterpreted what he meant by sit with him. They misinterpreted it. And the scripture uh, does record that the mother of the brothers went to Jesus. Someone say he's getting somewhere. He's getting somewhere. I thank God for the worship because it's preparing your heart now to, to get where I got to go. Uh, but this, the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, they, the mother said, now you have to understand who the mother is. The scholars believe, Brandon, that the mother was the sister of Mary. Who's Mary? Mary is the mother of Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because sometimes people who are closest to you understand you the least. This mother, who was Mary's, Mary's sister, so basically these were Jesus' nephew, or his cousins, rather. Sometimes they, they, they misinterpreted what he said, and they abused, in some sense, or misconstrued their relationship. Jesus had just got through talking about his crucifixion, just talking about he was going to be dying soon, and all this stuff. But they, didn't, they couldn't hear him talk about death. All they could hear is that Jesus talked about having a seat in the kingdom. All they heard, say it again, all they heard was seat and kingdom. They didn't hear about crucifixion and death. All they heard was seat and seat and kingdom. Now, because what happens is when, when sometimes when Jesus said to him, he said to the mother, what do you want? She came to him. They said, what do you want? And he said, I want to make sure that my sons have a seat on your right hand and on your left. Because sometimes, even in this building right now, even though we just worship, we praise and all that type of stuff, a lot of you have a different interpretation of who you think God is. There are some people who want to walk with God. There are some people who want the things of God. There are some people who want God, but there are some people who want God's things. So when they said we want a seat, they were more interested in a positional role. 
They wanted to have preeminence and they want to have authority and they want to have power. I don't want y'all to stop shouting like you were a few minutes ago. These brothers were interested in a seat. They weren't interested in a seat to serve. They were interested in a seat of honor. They were interested in a seat that they could look good. They were interested in a seat of authority. And I know you've never been there and you've never been interested in titles and roles and authority and stuff like that. But there are some people who are more interested in seats of authority instead of seats of service. More people than not want to be considered great and want to be considered wonderful. But a lot of people don't want to sit in service. And Jesus, when he was talking about having a seat in the kingdom, Jesus wasn't talking about a seat of honor. Jesus would say, those who walk with me should have a seat with me in the kingdom. What he was saying is, those who have walked with me will understand my call to, to care for people. Will understand my call to intercede for people. Will understand my burden to carry people and to minister to people. Not understand my role to have a position of authority. Because Jesus never walked around calling himself Jesus and the son of God. And Jesus didn't walk around saying I'm the Lord of Lords. Every time somebody said that, he said that's who you say I am. Because anytime you have to say what you are, many times you are not what you said you are. Anytime you have to exert yourself and say, I'm the leader, I'm the pastor, I'm the head, I'm the HNIC. Anytime you have to walk around, y'all don't know that, watch lean on me. Those many of you all who have to walk around and you have to exert authority and say what you are, many times you are not that. Many times people only say that because you need someone to validate what you really are not internally. You are not who you are because of a platform. The platform is supposed to be a result of who you are. The platform should not make you. The platform should confirm what you already are. Everybody who's running after the light, you know the light only exposes what you are. If you are not that, whatever the light exposes is what you are not. You want to make sure you are that before you get to the, po to the podium or to the platform or whatever. Because we need more people who are interested in impact than people who are interested in roles of importance. Someone say, I'm not my title. Say it again. I'm not my title. I'm not my role. I'm not what you call me. I'm more than that. And you have to make sure that you know that and you walk in that. And there was a story of a guy one time who, uh, who asked God, show me hell. I need to see heaven and I want to see hell. God took him into a room. And when God took him into a room, there was this room, a table. And in the, in the middle of the table, there was this uh, pot of stew. And there was these long handles. And everyone looked in the room. And when they looked at the room, everybody was sitting around the table. The food smelled good. But everybody around the table looked sick. And they looked like they were malnourished. And he looked at it and he said, what's wrong with these people? The, 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 the spoons were so long. The handles were so long. But nobody was feeding each other. So everybody was malnourished. So after he left the room uh, the God said to him he said you've seen hell after that he took him to another room same pot of stew uh, sitting in the middle of a table but everybody was plump everybody was nourished everybody looked good and everybody had taken the long handled spoon and everybody was feeding each other he said you have now seen heaven he said what that means is those people who are really great must serve each other hell is only full of greedy people John Maxwell said, when you are drawn to serve, it's difficult to be self-seeking at the same time. 
Go on to the text. Y'all want me to go on? No, you don't. Y'all quiet. Y'all want me to go on? So when he goes on, and Jesus goes on, he talks about, he said, are you able to drink this cup that I'm drinking with? Are you able to, to deal with what I have? Are you able? And they said, we're able to drink it. We're able to go through these different things. We're, going, we're able to experience this. And Jesus said, yeah. He said, now to sit on my right hand and on my left, I can't tell you. He said, but you are going to drink the cup. But what happens was they, they, they were blinded because of not just positional authority, they were also blinded because of positional, positional ambition. What happens is, there's nothing wrong with having ambition, but sometimes ambition blinds you because ambition does not tell you that you're going to go through too. Sometimes you can be so ambitious that you are ignorant. That you think that it's all about getting and gaining and having all this type of stuff. But a part of ambition, Jesus said, you're going to be great because I want you to be great. You're going to have things because I want you to have things. But you're also going to have to go through too. That's the part that everybody gets quiet on. Because everybody wants blessing, but you do know with blessing comes persecution. You do know a part of being great means that you have a great storm and a great test. We used to say a long time ago, Adders, that every new level has a new devil. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know with every promotion, there is persecution. Everything, there's always something. You have to learn how to have blessings and persecution, burdens and blessings. They are all going hand in hand at the same time. You don't get one without the other. Just like you shouted today, you will go through tomorrow. But you got to hold on to the mountaintop because the valley is coming. So you have to hold on to the words you got on Sunday because you're going to need it on Tuesday. Somebody say, hold on to it. So you go through and Jesus said, you're going to have promotion. You're going to have greatness and I'm going to use you and you're going to have honor. But you're going to have to drink this cup. Jesus was talking about the cup of being a martyr. He was talking about the cup of suffering given his life for the gospel and they agreed to it not knowing what cup they were drinking they agreed to it not understanding what he was talking about because all of you will experience a cup all of you will experience a cup but i got a word for you as i'm almost finished the cup is only a cup and you will not drown in the cup some of you are so enamored with what you're going through that you don't realize that it's just a cup. A cup is not an ocean. An ocean is a body of water that I can see no end to. I can see no horizon to. I can see where it not, I can see where it starts, but I can't see where it's over. But this cup has a start and an ending. There's only so much this cup can contain and there's only so much you can handle and God will only allow you to have what you can handle. Look at somebody say it's only a cup. But the cup cannot pass from you. Even Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. But later on he said, but nevertheless, not my will. But your will be done. Which means that I, and a part of my anointing is also carrying the cup. You can't be so anointed that you don't go through things. A part of my anointing, Kareem, is the only reason that I'm able to do what I do is because of the crushing of the cup. Had I not experienced crushing, I would not be able to drink the cup and to preach to you like I preach to you. And sometimes God will send people in your life that will be the thing that crushes you. 
had I not had a crush, had I not had a cup, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know who I was. Someone say it's just a cup. So he said, you're going to drink the cup. You're going to have to experience it, but you won't drown in it. It goes on and says, even as the son of man came to be not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom. Because if you're not balanced with perspective, ambition will drive you beyond God's intended purpose for your life. That's what made the disciples so upset. Because the disciples, when they asked the question, they asked him, they were upset because they said, you've taken advantage of your relationship by asking Jesus this question. And sometimes you need people that are in your life that will tell you the truth. You need people that will tell you your ambitions, you're, you're ambitious, but you're not submitted. You need people that will tell you you are wonderful, you are great, I love your filters. However, you don't live righteously. I love what you do, I love who you are, but you don't have a pastor. So listen, I tune in on, I tune in, on, I watch them on Sundays. Yes, but they haven't pastured your soul. They minister to your emotions. Because a shepherd always smells like the sheep. You cannot have a shepherd who has not smelled you. Someone say, my pastor smells like me. You don't want to say it out loud. Say it out loud, it's good, it's okay. Because you don't want people to know what you really smell like. But you need to thank God for a pastor who doesn't mind being around your raunchiness. Who has not disqualified you because of what you smell like. And because of what you live like. Everybody else has, but he has not. God will not. God will give you a pastor after his heart that can smell your weed and still hug you. All right, I'm through. <laughs> so Jesus said to them, he said, you know, the lords, they rule over people and whoever's great among you must be a servant and, and whoever's among you must be your slave. He said, because that's what Jesus, that's God's plan. God's plan is not for you to have greatness and use your greatness to lord it over people. Uh, he didn't call you to just be a wonderful person for you to walk around for people praising you and, and all that type of stuff. He said, no. He said, he said, the first, those of you who are really going to be great, you've got to be servants of all people. Say it again. If you're going to be great, you've got to serve all people. Someone say all people. Not some people, all people. And it reminds me, and I get excited because in this Black History Month, it reminds me of the, sorry, but Sterling, but it reminds me of the greatest and first intercollegiate, historically black African-American fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, that lives by the abiding model. First of all, servants of all, we shall transcend all. And I just believe that when Jesus wrote this scripture, he was thinking about December 4th, 1906. I believe it. Just believe it. Jesus, Jesus taught, I'm through, I'm not through, but I'm, Jesus taught role reversal, not role play. Say it again. Jesus taught role reversal, not role play. Some of you play like you care for people, but you don't. 
Some people play like you want to serve, but only time tells you never wanted to. Some people pray, they, they play like they want to pray for you, but they don't want to pray for you, they want to pray on you. Jesus didn't teach role play, he taught role reversal. That whoever is great must do the opposite and reverse that thing and serve. Now, I know in our natural kingdom, in our natural set, we think that the greatest must have the great. We think that the greatest person must have the best seat in the house. The greatest person, uh, those of us who grew in the era that I grew up, the greatest person has a different table than everybody else and drinks with a different cup when everybody else, that's what we've been taught. But Jesus said that's not the way of the kingdom. Just because your name is pastor doesn't make you any greater than anybody else in the room. Role reversal. Someone say role reversal. Remind me of a long time ago when, uh, well not a long time ago, but oftentimes when we have things at the church, um, you'll usually find me serving in some capacity somewhere. And someone uh, said to me one time, uh, we were setting up a tent for, uh, we used to have something called uh, Friends, Fun, and Family Day, F3 Day. And uh, we were out there and one of the uh, partners in ministry said to me, they said, why are you out here helping with this tent? And I said, because the tent needs to be put up. They said, yeah, they said, but where I come from, the pastor only shows up for pictures. They said with his manicured hands, pastor only shows up when it's time to be seen. And I said, well, if you want to see the pastor, you're going to see the pastor working because that's your kingdom. But in God's kingdom, whoever is great must serve everybody. I'm not better than you. Like, if there's a paint day, I'm going to be painting. If I don't know how to paint, I'm going to ask somebody, show me how to paint. If we're washing, car, washing cars, show me how to wa wax on, wax on. Show me what I need to do because there's nobody greater in here. Someone say, you're not greater than me. Someone say, you're not greater than me. After addressing these two concerns, this and I'm through here, after we went on, after he addressed those concerns, he said, you got to be great. Don't, don't get caught up in all that type of stuff. I want you to be great, but if you're going to be great, you got to be servant. you got to serve people. Then he goes on. After they leave that scene, he goes on and he finds two blind people sitting by the roadside. Earlier we see two brothers, and now we see two blind people. Two blind people were sitting by the roadside. And when they get to the roadside, these, these, ro these people are sitting there begging. And it's interesting because they were sitting by the roadside, and I want to tell you, because they were more interested in not position, they were interested in direction. Because what is it for you to have a position and you have no direction? What is it for you to have positional influence, but you have no direction for your life? So these two were sitting there in location. Someone say location, because location matters. And I want to ask you, when is the last time you check where you are? When is the last time you checked in with yourself to see exactly where you are? These blind men were in proximity to Jesus. They, they were there. They were in the place where Jesus was passing by. They didn't know that Jesus was coming that way, but they were in the way. They were in the spot. They showed up. And I want to tell some of you, the first thing you need to do is show up. Like, you don't have to know when change is coming. You don't have to know when breakthrough is coming, but keep showing up. Someone say keep showing up. Like these blind men had an issue, but they kept showing up saying, this might be my day. This might be the moment. And they showed up. It's very important that no matter what season you're in, no matter what you're going through, that you always show up. Even if you show up and things are not done yet. Even if you don't feel like it. I had preached sick, but I showed up. I've gone through things, but I kept showing up. Because you never know when you show up, God might show up too. 
uh, I know we're in Black History Month, and I know that a lot of times we always want to celebrate Rosa Parks, and I, I, I want to celebrate her as well. And we celebrate her because she was, uh, the, you can put the picture up, all right, we celebrate her because she was the, uh, we think she was the first person who was sitting on the bus, but she was not the first person who sat on the bus. The first person who actually sat on the bus was a woman by the name of Claudette Colvin. Uh, she was arrested on March the 2nd, 1955, at the age of 15 in Montgomery, Alabama. And she was the first person who refused to get up from her seat. But they did not want to showcase that through the NAACP because she didn't look the part. And because she was pregnant and she was unwed. Sometimes people don't want to use you because they've disqualified you before you get a chance. And some people don't think you deserve to be in positions because of what they know about you. So because they say she's unwed, she's pregnant, and she don't look like she can be promoted. She doesn't look fair skin. She does not look like somebody that we want on our billboard. So we won't promote her. So nine months later, they didn't promote the secretary of the NAACP, which was Rosa Parks. And she looked apart. And though I celebrate Rosa Parks and I thank her for what she did... But had Claudette Colvin not did it nine months before, we would still not have a movement. And I want to say to some of you, don't ever stop because someone overlooks you. You might be the seed that sparks a movement that happens after you. And just because you don't get credit doesn't mean you didn't show up. So these blind men showed up. And now some of you might say that has nothing to do with the blind men. But when you've been sitting by a roadside in oppression, when you've been sitting by a roadside in injustice, and when you've been sitting by a roadside being overlooked and underpaid, and you've been overlooked for a long time, when you've been sitting there long enough, sometimes you feel like leaving. But when you decide to show up, even when you feel like leaving, God's got something for you. Someone say, God's got something for me. God's got something for me. So it goes on. I'm through. It says it goes on. And it said that the crowd rebuked them. But when the crowd rebuked them, Brandon, it says that they cried out more. They cried out more. And they said, Jesus. <laughs> and there's sound. Because if you're going to have direction, you don't only have to have location, but you always got to have sound. Because when you got an issue, you've got to put some volume to it. And there's some of y'all who are in the right location, but you have no volume. You're in the right location, but you haven't said anything. And I want to tell you, you need help, but help's got a name. These men were blind, but they cried out Jesus. These men were going through, but they cried out Jesus. And I want to ask you, when's the last time you called his name? When is the last time you put volume to his name? Because some of you clap well, some of you dance well, but you don't speak well. If you've got an issue, you've got to call his name. Because what happened was the crowd rebuked them, but Jesus turned towards them. I don't care about you talking about me. But I do care if Jesus ignores me. You can misunderstand me. You can say I'm doing too much. But if I've had this issue and help is near, I'm going to call his name. I want somebody looking at someone say, I'm going to call his name. I'm going to call his name because help has a name. And they started to cry out and they said, Jesus. And not only did they say Jesus, but they said, Jesus, son of David. 
For those of you who don't know what that means, it is not just that we know you, Jesus. But to say you're the son of David means that you are the Lord of this. What that means is this blindness thinks that it's my Lord. But I have to remind my issue that you are the Lord of my issue. So when I say Jesus, son of David, I'm saying that every knee shall bow. And every tongue must confess that you are Lord. I'm ready, Brandon. I want somebody to say Jesus is Lord over that. I'm, Jesus is Lord over that. Somebody say Jesus is Lord over that. And matter of fact, if you want me to be quiet, I can't be quiet. Because I've had this issue too long. And I've got to holler. Somebody holler Jesus in the room. Somebody holler out Jesus in the room. Because I cannot be blind and help be near me. But I don't say nothing. If I, were, if I were here, my, we used to sing the old song, the song, I know some of y'all don't know it, I'm going to lose 45% of y'all, but we used to sing the song, Caesar, we used to say, pass me not, oh gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. I'm sorry, I lost Molly, many of y'all, while on others thou are calling, do not pass me by. We would go and say, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou are calling, do not pass me by. I want somebody to open up your mouth and say, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. I know I've been blind, but don't pass me by. What do I want? I want Savior. What do I want? I want help. What do I want? I want Jesus. What do I want? I want deliverance. What do I want? I want strength. What do I want? I want change. Matter of fact, your name is Jesus, Son of the living God. Jesus, Mary's baby. Jesus, a wheel in the middle of the wheel. Jesus, the rose of Sharon. Somebody say, that's my God. That's, that's my God. Because when I think of my children, I'm through here. When I think of my children, I tell you, I got to get out of here. When I think of my children, I got Miles, I got Tori, and I got Darius, and sometimes Milo. But if any of them call my name at any particular time, it doesn't matter what time they call me, I'm going to run towards them because they're my children. And there are some of you who God has not run towards you because you haven't called his name. But if you call his name, he's going to run towards you because you're his child. So I'm ask you one more time what's his name I said what's his name you call his name until you feel better you call his name until something changes you call his name until something happens somebody open your mouth and call the name Jesus so the men were sitting there the men were saying to them you can't tell me to be quiet you can't tell me to close my mouth because I'm tired of sitting like this. I'm tired of being like this. I'm tired of this normal. I'm tired of this being my lot in life. I want somebody that can disrupt my normal. Somebody that can disrupt this thing and that can change my situation. And the only person I know is Jesus. Somebody say the name Jesus one more time because I refuse to go another day. I refuse to go another moment without having Jesus change my situation. That was what the Bible was saying. He said that he's not just, I cannot allow my issue to be the Lord when the Lord is Lord over my issue. Somebody put your hands over yourself and say he's Lord over it. He's Lord over it. So I'm going to go on and I'm going to through here. So Jesus responds to them and he says to them, he says, what do you want? And they said that I might see, that I might have vision that I might be able to see again because it's one thing for me to get delivered but if I can't see how to stay delivered 
it's one thing for me to set free, be set free. But if I don't see how to stay set free, what I will do is blindly go back to what you delivered me from. And there are a lot of people who get set free every day because you haven't asked for sight. But I want somebody to put your hands on your eyes right now and say, Lord, touch my eyes again. Come on, open your mouth, open your mouth, say, Lord, touch my eyes again. What that means is this time, I want to move from this. But if I'm going to move from this, I want to move in the direction that you show me. They say, give me vision. I know you want better for me, but I need to see what better looks like. Everybody stand to your feet. I know there's healing for me, but I can't see it. I need you to touch my eyes again. And I don't want some of you who are here today, I don't want you to leave here shouting better and still blind. I don't want you to be running. We had a good time, but you're still blind? How can you have a good time and you still can't see? I want to get to the point, Lord, touch my eyes. Disrupt my blindness. I thought that following you was about position, but really it was about direction. If you don't give me a position, please give me direction. If you don't put me in a seat, if you don't let anybody know my name, don't let me keep walking without direction. I need to have direction. I need to know where I'm going. This is the thing where the Bible says that later on, after he asked them for direction, he asked them for sight. It says, and then when he gave them sight, they followed him. Why did they follow him? Because I want to follow the person who made my eyes. I got myself in this. But he, if he got me out of it, I want to keep following the one who got me out of it. I can't follow the people. I can't follow other people. I, can't, I, I want to follow you. Samson, uh, I was going to share this story. Samson, his eyes had gotten gouged out. Those of you who know the story of Samson and Judges, his eyes had gotten gouged out because he had told them his secret, told them his covenant. They cut his head, cut his hair, and then they gouged his eyes out that he could not see. But at the ending of his life, they were making fun of him because of what he used to be. They were making fun of him of how strong he used to be. But Samson said, Lord, give me strength one more time to avenge them for taking my vision. Give me strength one more time. They put him by some pillars and it says that he pushed one more time. And the Bible says that he killed more in his death than he ever did in his life. I want somebody to lift your hands all over the room and say, Lord, I need strength one more time. Say it again. I need strength one more time. What do I need strength for? They tried to take my vision. Tried to take my sight. But Father, I know you wouldn't leave me here. I know you wouldn't lead me to this place without giving me what I want. So what do I want? I want you. That's what I really want. I don't want your positions. I don't want title. I don't want none of that. I want you because if I have you, you'll give me all the rest. So I believe that with these men, when they said, Jesus, son of David, they said, Lord, you are the Christ. 
You are the Lord of the harvest. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Lord of this blindness. You are the Lord of this issue. Lord, I just want you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, hands lifted everyone who's here. I pray, God, for everyone who's experienced any type of blindness anyone who's experiencing any type of issue and those of us who are at the place that we have to repent and say Lord I did think it was about prizes and crowns and authority and all of that Lord shift me shift my focus shift disrupt my normal way of looking at it so that I can see what you really intended for me what you really planned for my life what you really wanted to do in me and through me and for me and for my family for my church for my for my children for my city for my region, for my work, for my for my business. Lord, show me what you planned. Because sometimes I admit, Lord, I'm doing this blindly. I admit that I'm I'm walking around aimlessly and I'm not I'm not I'm not really what you want me to be. I'm not doing what you want me to do. So Lord today, touch my eyes again. Lord, touch me again. Give me strength I need again so I can do what you would have for me to do. I want to be what you would have for me to be. I surrender to you now in Jesus' name. Now, do me a favor, everybody, while your hands. Thank you for your prayers and generous support that grant us the opportunity to do ministry. Now, this connection doesn't have to end here. Visit our website, engage with our social platforms, comment, review, screenshot, and share your growth with others. And until next time, keep growing.